Hey, Drilled listeners, this is Amy Westervelt. We're interrupting the flow of this season for a really good reason. I've found some new documents and sources that are pretty relevant this season. Here's a little snippet from one person I spoke with. Just as we have found that there are deep linkages between the oil companies and tobacco on the one hand, and those linkages have given rise to vast troves of climate-related documents, we're also finding that there are online archives of documents around benzene litigation, vinyl chloride litigation, pesticides litigation, and those same companies and those same strategies and those same people show up over and over and over again. It is clear that it was the same handful of companies, the same handful often of people you know, playing out in these spaces over and over and over again. You start to really put the pieces together for how these companies operated, how they coordinated together to shape the public discourse, to shape the science, to shape our very understanding of the world and how we as, as people should be evaluating risk. A few episodes into the season, I got some leads on some information that I hadn't seen before, including some new documents that include details about the fossil fuel industry's propaganda strategies that are super, super relevant to this season. So, of course, I had to go and get them. That's what I'm doing today, in fact, right after I tape this intro. We'll bring you more Mad Men tales starting up again next week, including the story I mentioned at the end of last episode about Mr. and Mrs. Climate Denial. In the meantime, I'm excited to bring you this interview from our partner over at the Heated Newsletter, reporter Emily Atkin, who sat down with The Guardian's interim CEO, Anna Bateson, to discuss the paper's decision to stop taking fossil fuel ads. Enjoy, and we'll see you next week. Hi, it's Amy here, and I'm excited to tell you about a new podcast from APM Studios and Western Sounds called Ripple. Such a good idea, this show. In the aftermath of major disasters, there is always a swarm of media attention. The public is captivated by breaking news, there's coverage and controversy, and then the cameras and the public just move on. But the stories are not finished. Ripple is a new series investigating the stories we were told were over. In season one, the reporting team traveled hundreds of miles across the Gulf Coast to learn the ongoing effects of the 2010 Deepwater Horizon oil spill, which are still impacting many coastal residents more than a decade later. You can listen now to Ripple wherever you get your podcasts. the first thing I would love to ask is what the process was like leading up to the decision. Like when did the issue first cross your desk and then how long did it take from that moment until yesterday happened? So it's definitely a topic and a question that we have debated at a senior level for quite a while. Um, I imagine it actually crossed desks a while ago, um, so certainly several months. Um, 
I think I should just say that we have always had a process of review and reflection about what advertising we take. And we've, we um, uh, have, have for a very long time taken that very seriously. And there, are, there have always been or there have over time become adverts and campaigns that we have turned down. Um, what, what has tended to be there is that we have turned them down on a campaign by campaign basis rather than on an advertiser specific basis. So in a way, this discussion was not is, is the process that we have been using to date the wrong process, but should we take it up a level and have a category of companies that we um, won't take advertising from? Um, and there, there were, in, in that debate, there were people who felt it was very clearly aligned with our values and very clearly um, consistent with the increasingly um, strong and powerful editorial line that we've been taking. But there was also um, concern about the commercial impact of it and both the direct commercial impact, but also the message that it might or might not send about how we felt about advertising. Um, so this debate has been ongoing, really. Um, uh, commercially, um, as you know, you know, um, I mean, it's generally quite challenging for newspapers and news brands. And while we did get to break even, certainly from an advertising perspective, um, last year was was tough, you know, and there are all sorts of dynamics going on. So, so that just gives an extra sort of um, uh, sort of context, I suppose, to the conversation. I think the things that changed um, uh, were that um, one, we ran a big series last year called The Polluters, which led to um, a lot of um, readers and even I think advertisers or people that we work with. Um, uh, increasing the level of questioning just about whether or not that that was consistent with um, uh, taking taking ads from extractive companies. Um, secondly, watching um, the extraordinary bushfires in Australia and both seeing the engagement levels that that's, that's driven both in Australia and around the world but also the, the amount of reader support in financial terms that it's, that it's um, inspired and, and, and sort of kind of led to. And then I think thirdly, our commercial teams are really beginning to think about a new narrative for, for advertising, which they're calling modern advertising, which is really as we look beyond a sort of a, a digital programmatic world that's underpinned by cookies and that's become really about audience buying, how do we... Um, reclaim some of the value that has always traditionally resided with publishers which are around quality context and trust and values and once you begin to think of advertising in those terms of, of good advertising that achieves good ends and in those terms of sort of values and trust it seemed to become it seemed to basically align commercial interests and our values interests um, that's, that it sort of became almost unarguable that this was sort of a commitment and a statement that we should make. So it sounds like what you're it sounds like what you're saying is you and correct me if I'm wrong that you figured out that it actually improved your your commercial business strategy to only do advertising that aligned with your values because it's probably strengthened trust in the brand. Um, from readers probably made them more willing to donate to you because you don't do this 
anymore? Is that sort of what you're saying? That's certainly true. I, I think it goes beyond that, which is I think we actually think it strengthens our advertising proposition if if we uh, if we if we say that there are certain companies that we don't um, believe, you know, we want to take advertising from, which means that there are other companies that might prefer to advertise with us or commit to advertising with a publisher where values align um, and that they can be confident that there's a really trusted and real and engaged relationship with readers. Right. But that's sort of a complicated line to walk, isn't it, though? Because it's like, oh, some companies will be like, well, if we advertise in The Guardian, that means that we'll look even more morally responsible. But I mean, even as you guys note in the in the piece you wrote, you know, you're still taking ads from car companies, um, like other other heavy users of fossil fuels. Right. Um, how do you how do you guys grapple with that? Because like because I guess that I guess the argument could be that car companies could be like, see, we're really great because The Guardian lets us advertise there. Yes, that that is, you know, that is a sort of um, a possibility. I think we believe that 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 extractive fossil fuel companies are qualitatively different, both in the intent and extent of their advertising and marketing. And therefore, while absolutely, I think there are, that we can be criticised uh, by some readers for also accepting car ads and ads for flights and airlines and holidays, we believe that they are, in the end, around consumer choice and, um, and around sort of allowing the individual to, to make choices about their lives, whereas actually the other advertising is really only there to, to, to sort of shape perceptions and reputations for companies and that's not something that we want to accept anymore right um and i noticed so i also i want to talk about in the piece the reasoning specifically for the uh, ban on fossil fuel ads i i noticed that it it really surrounded the reasoning seemed to really just surround the idea that the paper itself wants to be wants to align itself with you know solving climate change and being more climate friendly it didn't really address the argument that i i've heard a lot of my peers make um that ads from the fossil fuel industry might influence coverage or that they might manipulate readers into thinking that the um that the fossil fuel industry is climate friendly when in fact it's not um, so I guess my question would be, were those reasons, were either of those reasons that ads might influence coverage or that they might manipulate readers, were those part of the rationale for the decision? Certainly not influencing editorial, because I think there is a very, very clear separation between editorial and commercial. Um, and I, I, I think we can feel very confident about that. Um, uh, I, I think to your second point that really these are ads that are intended to shape perceptions amongst readers about what sort of companies these are and what their business is. Absolutely. I think that, that I think that's what we were really trying to refer to with the intent of this advertising. It's 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 not about consumer choice. It's about them believing these companies are investing in a greener future um, which is just not a fair reflection of the realities of their business. Right. So it's sort of like putting, you know, you have your journalism right there that is very journalistically, has a lot of journalistic integrity next to something that you know 
might be manipulating readers and not having the same kind of integrity. I mean, these are, these are, these are, I mean, you know, there has always been a very, very clear separation between editorial and ads. And I think that, that, um, we've always been comfortable that these things sit next to each other. However, I think when, when adverts are about, um, uh, promoting particular products or messages to consumers with the intention of kind of, you know, enabling them to make choices, um, that's, qualitatively different from adverts where their sole intention is to change perceptions amongst opinion formers or readers about uh, what a company is doing and essentially promoting an agenda that is very um, uh, that, that that's very different to what the message of the ad is really about um, and is also often consistent with their lobbying um, you know agendas right it's it's that the ad sells an idea not a product really Yes, exactly. And actually, Mark, Mark Ritson has just written um, a, a very interesting article in Marketing Week, which I can forward to you, which is on precisely this, which is he's really um, essentially calling out the hypocrisy of, 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 of marketeers who very specifically um, are using advertising and sponsorship, etc., to really kind of promote a, a, a pretty ugly agenda. Yeah, it is kind of weird when you think about it that we allow all these ads that don't actually sell anything to us. They're not actually trying to give us, you know, a flight or a car or a or a candy bar, right? It's just a thing. It's just an idea. It's just a way of thinking. It's very weird. Yeah. Um, but I want to move on to also something I noticed was not in the piece, which is, and, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I missed it, but that it didn't, you know, it didn't call out other publications for doing it too. It didn't, and maybe I missed this. Like it didn't say, we hope others do this same. And I was just wondering if that was intentional or, um, or if you guys do think that other papers should follow suit. Um, I, I think w- we're we're trying to be, I think, quite humble about this, which is we've made a choice. It's very much about our values. Um, I think it's not really for us to dictate to others. Um, I think we did say in in the blog that we hope that brands might want to work with us because of of an alignment of values. Um, but everybody, every publisher is, is, is dealing with their own challenges and they have their own brands and values and relationship with their readers. And so I think that's for others to call for rather than us. That makes sense. And I know readers are particularly interested in this question, which is how important was fossil fuel advertising to your news operation? Because, you know, I know earlier you were talking about how that was one of the biggest considerations that you were making in the in the time frame from between it when it the issue sort of first crossed your desk and when you made the decision was like how will this commercially affect us like was fossil fuel advertising like a large percentage and do you have like a rough number um we probably wouldn't kind of give the kind of number it's 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 substantive without being i would say a large percentage you know, it's it's 
it's not money that um, uh, it's probably around one percent of our advertising and our advertising is 40 percent of our overall revenue so it's material and the revenue itself you know is important I, I feel like I have to make this point to people a lot when they're like oh like well they get so much these newspapers get so much money from advertising it's like well nobody at the newspaper is is rich um, like it goes to salaries and, and reporting. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, if everybody uh, in The Guardian is rich, you know. No, 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 definitely not. Um, uh, no, I think, look, advertising is very important. Um, it used to be, um, it used to be a higher proportion of our revenue. Um, and um, as circulation um, of the newspaper has fallen and we've migrated digitally, etc. It's now it's now 40 percent of our revenue. But that's that's a very important 40 percent. Um, and so we are genuinely, you know, all revenue matters to us and it's precious. And and so therefore giving up any revenue is is is, you know, it's a significant decision that we have to take. Um, uh, so that's that's why it, it's material and it's it's a sort of, you know, um, it's a it's it's a significant decision. I want to also go back to where the part of the article announcing the decision where you guys said that, you know, you're not going to extend the ban to other polluting industries because that would that would be too much of a hit on the newspaper for now. I mean, does that concern does like just even that fact concern you for the future? I mean, as do you think maybe this campaign will get the campaign to stop running ads at all will get stronger? Um, I, I just wonder, I guess, how how that might complicate things moving forward. And if you thought about it. Yeah, we, we, we absolutely have thought about it. Um, I, again, I would say I do think this 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 category of companies is qualitatively different. Um, yeah. and, and I do think the intent of their advertising is different. Um we will we we are firmly committed to advertising um but we also will continue to review the advertising that 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 you know that that comes to us and make sure that it you know is consistent and it remains aligned with our values and and that's and that's really important to us because this this sense of being true to our values and the and the covenant that we have with our readers i think particularly as as a higher number of them support us financially is 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 very um, is very precious to us. Um, but I I don't think at the moment um, I don't think at the moment we we see this extending into other categories because we do feel that there is a qualitative difference of these particular companies. If you guys could be a one hundred percent reader funded model, like in a perfect world, if there was enough money to do that would you would do you think you guys would do it is that a goal of of the guardians i think diversity of revenue is is a strength um yes. i think the direction of our business is to become more reader funded um i think one of the joys about the reader funding model is that it allows readers all over the world 
to, to, to support us financially in places where we didn't have advertising businesses. So, so that's, that's an enormously exciting thing for us that we have this incredible global audience and actually realizing a return through that digitally through advertising can be a challenge and, and now through reader revenue that, 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 that becomes a reality. But I don't think we see a future without ad advertising at all. I think, um, just to say again, diversity of revenue is a strength and actually we believe in advertising. So um, I think good advertising done with good intent, you know, it, it is a joyful thing. Um, so... I, I would I would say I, I would I think we are we are comfortable with having advertising in our future. One of the criticisms that there has historically been of fossil fuel ads in general in in newspapers and media organizations is that it might implicitly sort of direct journalists away from actually covering fossil fuel advertising um, because it, it's almost like a weird juxtaposition of we're covering fossil fuel ads while running fossil fuel ads. And so I'm wondering if since yesterday you've seen a lot of coverage of your effort from other news organizations that, that run fossil fuel ads, which is to say most of them. There has been a certain amount of coverage, yes. Um, uh, the New York Times wrote about it. Um, Washington Post wrote about it. Um, a lot of the trade press have written about it. That's slightly different. But also, um, Neiman Lab wrote about it precisely to call out some of the challenges that news organizations have around these issues. We'll, we'll see if, if others, you know, um, if others either follow suit or, or, or choose to write about it. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see who, who didn't cover it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, thanks again. I... Really um, appreciate your guys' journalism. That's it for this time. I hope you enjoyed that interview. If you have comments or questions about either the interview itself or the Guardian's new ad policy, we'd love to hear them. You can reach me at amy at drillednews.com by email or tweet at me at Amy Westervelt or at the show at We Are Drilled. You can also get the transcript of this interview on our website at Drilled News. And we encourage you to subscribe to the Heated newsletter to get more coverage like this. We have a link for that in our show notes and up on our website as well. Big thanks to Emily for sharing that reporting. Based off of all the new information we've received, we're going to be adding quite a few more episodes to this season. So we'll be with you for a while with many more stories. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.